it. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Good morning. Um, I am excited to be with you in our time in the Word together. If you don't know who, my, who I am, my name is Jill Rice. I'm the Director of Ministries here at Fellowship Highcrest. And if you noticed, I brought a friend with me today, Das Boot. Das Boot. Um, I, I uh, twisted my ankle a few weeks ago and has been reluctant to heal up, and so um, they put me in this beautiful das boot um, to help me uh, get going and, and take the pain away a little bit, and it is working, so that's exciting. Um, so you have to work with me as, I, as das boot and I preach today. Um, but we are excited that you are here. If it's your first time here, you'll notice that there are some Bibles in the seats next to you. Um, you will also see some page numbers on the screen, and those page numbers correlate with the blue Bibles. And if if you don't have a Bible, we want to encourage you to take that one as a gift from us to you. If you know someone that doesn't have a Bible or have one that's easy to read, please take that one from a gift, as a gift from the both of us and give it to them. Um, if you need a Spanish Bible, uh, we encourage you to raise your hand, let us know. We have Spanish Bibles available. And as you're finding the page numbers or you're uh, following along in your app or um, whether you're reading online, whatever it is, as you're finding um, Matthew 28, uh, I just kind of want to wrap up where we're at. See, today we're wrapping up our current sermon series, Devoted. And during this series, we've used Acts uh, 2.42 through 47 as a backdrop to the study the things that the early church devoted themselves to as they sought to follow Christ in their everyday lives. Then we started off this series by focusing on why the early church lived and died the way they did. Then in week two, we began to look at how they lived in light of their why. First, we looked at how they devoted themselves to the scriptures, to studying God's word. Then we looked at how their devotion to Christ led them to devote themselves to one another. And after we looked at their commitment to be intimate to God together, and because it is both easy and natural for the human heart to worship things that ought to be used and to use things that ought to be worshipped, <laughs> I know, it's a good one, Brell led us in exploring the importance of the early church magnifying God together, of worshipping God together. So this week, as we bring this series to a close, we're going to look at the results of all of this devotion all of this devotion that the early believers had. So if you're not already there, would you go ahead and find Matthew 28? Go ahead and stand with me. Um, sorry, y'all don't have Das Boot to stand in. Um, but you can go ahead and stand with me. We're going to start reading in verse 16, and we'll end in verse 20. Here's what it says. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the ends of the age. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. 
You want to know what the most terrifying text message is that you will ever receive? Go ahead and think about it. Let it marinate for a little bit. You got, you got it in your mind? All right, now let me help you. Go ahead and get ready to, to, to lift your head up and down and agree with me when I say this. All right, you ready? We need to talk. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> and looky here. I don't care what age you are, where you're at in your relationship, how well you think that relationship might be going. When you receive a message like that, we need to talk. Whew. <laughs> it's like receiving a speeding ticket on vacation, right? Whether it's at the beginning of vacation, I mean, you, that first day of vacation, you're like on your way out of town and you get pulled over and you're like, the rest of the vacation, you're like, man, all I got to do when I get home is pay this ticket. You can't enjoy the vacation at all because that's all you're thinking about. Or if it's on your way home from vacation and you get pulled over, then you're just thinking about, man, I shouldn't have done the extra excursion. I shouldn't have gotten the extra shrimp on my steak. How am I going to pay for this ticket? <laughs> all right, these are the things that just like marinate with us. And the same thing comes to our minds when we get that message, we need to talk, right? If it comes early in the day, man, it just consumes your day. It's like, oh man, what is it now? You can't concentrate in meetings. You can't concentrate in class or at practice. Lunchtime comes and you're like, man, I'm not even hungry today. And I like to eat, <laughs> If you get that text at the end of the day, you're like, I'm going to drive a little slower on my way home. You see, you know what? Like, that, I, I'm already tired. It's been a long day. I ain't got time for this. <laughs> I mean, this is the case whether you're a parent, a spouse, a child. And here's the thing. When most of us that are Christ followers look at a sermon series lineup and we see that there's one on evangelism, it's got us feeling like that text message, we need to talk, right? Like, it's looming there. It's got me feeling a little guilty, a little ashamed. But why does it feel that way, right? When you saw the cop's light come on in your rearview mirror, you probably knew what you were doing wrong. Like, 84 in a 70 is probably not a good idea. Just saying. Better things you should be doing. When you get that message, we need to talk, you probably know what it's about. Like you have a general idea of what's going on. Right? We know that we have a responsibility to share our faith with non-Christians. We understand exactly what the scriptures are calling us to in this area. This is not one of the hard to interpret areas. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a pretty easy one. 79% of churchgoers agree that Christ followers are called to share their faith with non-Christ followers. Most, if asked whether they're telling the truth or not, would say that they feel comfortable sharing their faith. 74% of respondents say they, that they feel comfortable sharing their faith with someone in a way that would allow that person to enter into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Most would say that they are even unashamed to be a Christ follower. 83% of respondents saying that they have no hesitation in sharing their faith. 
right? But at least one-fifth of us never even pray for those who don't know Christ to come to know him outside of a church worship service. So in spite of us knowing that we should, feeling comfortable that we could, and being proud to say that we would, we just don't share our faith. See, 61% of churchgoers admit to not sharing their faith with someone in the last six months. You're not alone. Like, that's a pretty big majority of us. Heck, beyond that half of us, like half of us are not even inviting our non-Christ follower friends to anything. Like, we're not inviting them to worship services. We're not inviting them to community groups, social events, Easter egg hunt, fireworks show, a vaccination clinic, nothing. We just don't do it. Church equals a no-go. So, hey, can we talk for a second, though? I want to disarm this conversation, right? I'm not going to beat you up today, so just take a breath. <sighs> Let it out. If, even if I were to try and beat you up today, if I were to harp on this and I were to rage and berate you, you wouldn't walk away from this wanting to change, wanting to go out and share your faith. That wouldn't encourage you to do that, right? That's not how you would, you would feel. It would actually probably demotivate you. And for those of us that are joining, um, joining us that are not believers, um, that would probably be demotivating for them to even step over the line of faith and become a Christ follower. So that's not what we're going to do today. So what do I want to talk about today? Well, I want to talk about what the early church did when they found themselves in the same kind of situation. See, and more than that, I want to do one more thing, and it's something that you as parents will probably understand. Have you ever had your child come home, and this will probably be more for like elementary kids, like parents of elementary kids, and you, you open up their, their backpack, and you're expecting to pull out, you know, how did they do today? They, they got like a smiley face, and they did fantastic. And when you pull it out, there's like a hundred worksheets in there for homework that you need to do with them that night. And you're like, oh, I gotta sit down at the table with them, and this is gonna be torture for them and for me. And all you're thinking in that moment is, man, my child would have learned so much better if, if they would have just learned everything they could have with the teacher and done as much as they could have in the classroom with the teacher. And when they got home, really just spent that time at home rejuvenating, you know, eating dinner, relaxing, and getting ready for the next day. So I want to allow time for us to do that today, right now, while we're together. Right? Our focal passage starts off by saying, go therefore. But why were they going? Well, in verse 18, it says that they were going because Jesus was the authority figure, and he said to go. Right? But that still doesn't matter to a lot of us. <laughs> and here's why. Some of us are rule followers. I'm a rule follower, so if you tell me to do something, I'm probably going to do it. Like, that's me. Um, whether you like the person or not, they are an authority, and we won't buck it, right? We might not like it, but we're not going to buck it. And then some of us are like, man, come on. Like, you, your title doesn't mean anything to me. If you want me to do something, you're going to have to have more than a title and a position. Right? You're going to have to have a reason. Right? I got to trust you. 
Well, verse 18 satisfies our rule followers. Verses 16 and 17 gives us something for our rebels. Right? There were people that doubted. First, you have to remember that the disciples had just stabbed Jesus in the back. They had just deserted their friend at his most crucial hour. And when they got the opportunity, when he got the opportunity, he met back up with them, not to pay them back, not to knuck them because he had bucked, they had bucked him, but to comfort them and their fears. And how did they respond to him? They worshiped him. So that's where I want to start in our classwork this morning. The scriptures say that every sin is an assault against the God of the universe. They are a front against the sacrifice of Christ. And we know it. We know that we don't honor God with our thoughts and our words and our lives. We can't do enough good to overcome them. We can't bridge the gap between us and God. But by the authority and power given to him, Christ came He lived a sinless life. He died an undeserved death. He rose from the grave so that we can see him and we can be comforted by the Father's love instead of confronted by our sin. So if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been wondering about this man and these Christ followers I want to give you an opportunity to do that today, and I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to give you the opportunity now at the beginning of the service because I want you to be able to participate in the rest of the service. In a second, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's no special words, and it's no special order of words. It's just a prayer of thanksgiving. It's a reflection of your heart to God. It's giving you the opportunity to say thank you to Christ for taking the suffering that you deserve for taking the ashes of your burnt up life and turning it into this opportunity of having a beautiful relationship with him, with the God of the universe. See, this is important because if you don't start with a commitment to Christ, then you have no reason to share about him with others, right? So I'm going to pray, and if you haven't done this for the first time, and I invite you to do that with me right now, and if you are already a Christ follower, I encourage you to pray for those in the room that aren't, or those that are watching online that aren't. Father, we come to you right now, and we say, God, we need you so much. In our sin, in our brokenness, God, we have messed up. And there is not enough good inside of me to earn your love. There's not enough good inside of me to earn your acceptance, to be a worthy child of God. But God, that's not what you ask. You knew I couldn't do it. You knew that we couldn't do it. And so instead, you sent your perfect son, Jesus, to die in our place. You raised him back to life as the sacrifice that we couldn't bring in our place. God, we put our faith and our trust in that, that you accept Jesus in our place. And we are thankful for that. We are overwhelmed with joy for that. And we praise you for that, that what we get in return is a family. We get to be brothers and sisters with Christ and with one another. We get to be in the family of God and that you choose to see us as worthy children, your children, because you see us through your son, Jesus.
Father, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to invite you to let us know. We want to be able to walk alongside you in this journey because this is like day one. (laughs) And you're going to need a family of people to walk alongside you. And you can do that by um, scanning the QR code on the back of the seat. You can do it by texting CONNECT to 785-432-4544. Or you can um, click the link in the chat to uh, let us know that you've made that decision. And we'll reach out to you and, and start walking alongside of you. So as we jump back into our our passage today, we see after establishing their relationship with Jesus and after receiving their marching orders, that was still not enough to move the disciples into action, right? They knew God was on their side. They knew that despite their failures, that he wouldn't abandon them. And we see in John 13 this, where Jesus is talking to Peter and Jesus answered, Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. But, they want, but what they needed was something else, right? Can you identify it? You're committed to Christ. You know that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. You know that you are judged based on the person and work of Christ. You are not your performance, but you need something more. What does God supply? When we are afraid of failing and rejection, he gives us his word to remind us of the promise. When we become confused and even apathetic, He gives us his word and reminds us of a mission. And Acts 1, this is what he tells the apostles in his word. He says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus gave them a promise of strength that went beyond themselves. He also gave them a direction. He said to start right where he had placed them. So, let's start. If you have a pen, something to write with, um, if you have a phone, you can take that out. I want you to go ahead and get those things ready. Either something to write with, something to take a note down on. This is action time. I'll let you get set up on that. This is what I want you to do. I want you to think of a name of a person that you know is not a Christ follower or that you're just not sure if they're a Christ follower, go ahead and write that name down or text it to yourself or make a note on your phone, whatever works for you. Um, Go ahead and write that name down. And if you're not sure, like you're just like, I blank, blank, I got nothing. Um, That's okay. What I want you to write down instead is, God, please open my eyes to the lost people that are around me, all right? So you got that? Yes, all right, all right. 
But sometimes, right, we can have the relationship with God. We can understand the promises that he makes in his word and the scriptures and the Bible. But we still need something else, right? Can you identify it? This is what and why he gives us one another. In Acts 1, it says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, and here are the names of the people that were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. This is not just a list of names. I know like, we like to read through that fast and skip over. These were men that had spent like three years living life together. They had a relationship. They were like brothers, right? Would you look around you real quick? Like look to your left, look to your right. <laughs> God gave you the people around you to help you. When you are afraid, when you feel rejected, when you feel powerless or just unaware they are there to remind you of who you are and whose you are. But sometimes, sometimes, you need something just a little bit more. Okay? Would you turn, I, they all, I'm going to read this scripture to you, right? In Acts 1.14, it says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. They were constantly united in prayer. So, would you turn to one person next to you? And choose your left or right. Choose a person. Share with them the name that you wrote down. If you need to like change rows or move around, like do that. Don't leave someone by themselves, okay? This is a group effort. Share with them the name that you wrote down. Share with them what scares you most about sharing the gospel with them. Okay? And then I want you to pray for one another. And if you don't have a name that you wrote down, would you ask them to pray that God would give you a heart and eyes to see those who don't know him that are around you each day? And as you're praying with one another over these things and over these people, the worship team is going to sing for us. for you, you pray for me, I 
church ended. This is not where the first believers stopped. See, because after they committed themselves to Christ together, after they were reminded of God's word together, they committed to one another, they prayed with and for one another, then they worshiped together. In Acts 2, it says this, on the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as this Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And from this moment, that group of 12 people grew into 120 people by Acts 1.15. And that group of 120 became 3,120 by Acts 2.47. And that group grew into a staggering number of believers over the next 30 years that we can see chronicled through the book of Acts, the story of the first church, of the first believers. So in response to the one and only God who inhabits the praise of his people, the praise of you and me, the praise of us, we're gonna close our message today in a response of worship for what we believe that God is doing and is going to do through his church, through his body, through his believers, through us. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says this, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the rain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Why don't you stand and worship with us a God whose word does not return void? <laughs> 